Puck comes to the right side, half wall. so there, opens up, he shoots, score! William Carlson tipped it home. 3-0 Golden Knights. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Ducks back in. Toronto put it on goal. Save Thompson. He scrolls and gets the rebound too. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, live from T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the Woo! I now think of Chapman when I drive down the 215 on my way into downtown Las Vegas and along the strip and I pass Finley Chevrolet and I think of that big boo and I wonder what are we going to talk about tonight? Well, it's pretty easy this evening. The San Jose Sharks are the opposition and you have a rivalry that is heavily weighed in one direction. You put up the poll yesterday, mm-hmm. and I am slightly surprised at the overwhelming nod to the uh, to the weight that that poll came in at. Are you really? San, yeah, yeah. Because I thought I thought that it would uh, it would go through. There would be a little bit more surviving mm-hmm. uh, of the rivalry, uh, but it's it's not the case. It's uh, it's all Vegas and nothing San Jose. It's just another game. Yeah, 73% to 27%. No, it is not a rivalry anymore between the Vegas Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks. I think that there are going to be uh, some things, obviously, in the history between these two clubs that link them forever. Obviously, the hashtag not a major. Uh, But beyond that, the the Sharks just haven't been good enough. And I think with a, a couple of key players in that rivalry now, not with either club, um, it just feels to me like another game. That's how I view it. I don't think it's a rivalry anymore, and it's good. It's interesting to see that a, a lot of the people that voted in this poll feel the same way. Is it because that it's not competitive anymore, or is it due to the fact that uh, Evander Kane no longer plays for San Jose? I think it's a combination of both, right? Like you've got you've got the Evander Kane Ryan Reeves uh, element completely out of the equation. You have the Pete DeBoer element completely out of the equation. Joe Pavelski, a lot of the key players that that were really in the mix when this rivalry hit its peak are no longer with uh, either the Golden Knights or the San Jose Sharks, and I just feel like with it being so one-sided now, uh, the juice just isn't there. I think if it, uh, the one-sidedness would almost uh, spill into being a good rival if you had any type of villain on the other side, sure. but, but there isn't. Uh, Evander Kane being gone takes a lot of the juice out of the uh, – back and forth and uh, the anticipation that something wonky could happen at any particular time. Being on the right side of it mm-hmm. makes you want it to be a rivalry even more. Right. Like you, you search that out because you can rub it in them. Mm-hmm. You own them. You dominate this thing. But who does the Vegas fan point their, their finger at and say, we, we got you? There's, there's nobody really to do that to uh, on the on the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the closest approximation of that would be, you know, Tomas Hurdle or, or Timo Meyer, maybe Eric Carlson to a degree. But again, when, when that rivalry was at its peak, it's not like those were the guys necessarily driving the bus for San Jose. It, it was... 
you want to you want to stick it to a Vander Kane. You want to stick it to uh, a, a team that Brent burns to an extent. Yeah. And with all of that now being gone, and the Golden Knights being as good as they've been, and you know, to me, the rivalry really ended. Uh, in the in the shortened season, where the Golden Knights went eight and zero against San Jose over the course of a season, at, at that point, there's really nothing. San Jose didn't want Evander Kane then either. Yeah, well, and and to 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 be honest, like when when that happens, when you're beat down that badly by an opponent, I just don't think that you have the same juice behind those games uh, because you, it's almost inevitable. You almost know exactly what uh, what you're going to get night in and night out, and it, it's just not there for me. Now, I do wonder. How it skews in San Jose. I wonder if the Sharks fan base looks at it differently than, than maybe the Golden Knights fan base does because they have been so beaten down by Vegas. If if they're looking at this game as an opportunity to to, to, to win one and, and feel something again, uh, but it's just not there for me. See, I don't think the, the result matters nearly as much in a rivalry mm. as much as history. Yeah. And once you got a little bit of it, you can you can ride that that through. But in this case uh, the the principles on the ice there there's no bad blood like can mm. you point to anybody on either side that's got a problem with each other no not, not right now like uh, in the past Aaron Dell made a hip check on <laughs> on Mark Stone that was a jerk of a move yeah, yeah. I could get behind that being yeah. a rivalry yeah. uh, Evander Kane uh, everything that he did did even without the principal on the Vegas Golden Knights side. Mm-hmm. I could get her behind that rivalry. Uh, but now, Joe Pavelski was at the center of the chaos yep. in, in the playoffs. He's not uh, a guy that's going to twist a knife in you, mm-hmm. but at least he was in the middle of it. You could focus on that. He's gone. Uh, you had the back and forth with Pete, and then Pete coming over here. There was that part of it. He's gone. Uh, you, you you do need a, a little bit of that to spark things and keep it going. Uh, the 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 results, I don't care, because any di- given night you can have something come up and and sort of spark things. But I just don't think there's anybody to spark things with. No, it, it seems like just another run-of-the-mill everyday NHL game. There, there's really not that animosity that you get traditionally in a rivalry and that the San Jose Sharks and the Golden Knights had every single time they played together, uh, played against each other uh, in the first couple of seasons. That was appointment-viewing must-see TV, and it's just not there right now. So who is the Golden Knights' biggest rival right now? I, you know, I was on earlier today with uh, with with Tyler and, and Ed this morning, and I said probably Los Angeles, probably Colorado. Like those are the two teams I think that have maybe the most history. Right, both teams have played against the Golden Knights in the playoffs. Uh, the Golden Knights have a big win over Colorado in the playoffs. You're talking about defending Stanley Cup champions, and even though there's not that that animosity within a game and you don't have the players like you did uh, when you had Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane going at one another. I think from a, from a play on ice standpoint, the way that things have happened between these two organizations, that the trajectory that they both have had to rising to um, Stanley cup contendership, I, I think that there's a legitimate rivalry between Colorado and Vegas. I think both teams want to face each other in the playoffs and both teams relish the opportunity to take away a shot at a Stanley cup from one another. Yeah, I, I think I that it's I, there. I don't, I don't know why I don't feel that same way. 
I, I really don't know why I don't grab onto that. You uh, got to hang out on Twitter much. more. Uh, L.A. I would love that to be the case. I, I don't feel that uh, nearly as much. I always wanted it to be Arizona. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's not the case. Uh, there's, I'm in search of a rival for the Vegas Golden Knights right now. So I think L.A. could be interesting because you've got characters on that team, right? You've got Drew Doughty who can single-handedly give you they something. The game. There it is. Yeah. Um, there's no way there'll be a better team than us at the end of the year. That was bulletin board material for the Golden Knights year one, so much so that in the playoffs it was put up on the Nitron. And it was a quote that lived in the ether, and it was something that really fueled what happened between Vegas and L.A. that year and the subsequent years. But then L.A. missed the playoffs. You don't get to double down on those opportunities in a playoff series, and it kind of fizzles away. But I do think if if Vegas and L.A. are going to be good teams this season, and it looks like they're going to, I think you have opportunity for there to be that animosity you usually get in a rivalry. There's the opportunity. It, yeah, it, there's, there's... But we don't, we, we don't know yet. No, there isn't one. That's, we're, I, we're in this... Uh, this sort of lull i have I, I i've given you two teams that i feel like are the closest thing you can get right now with the golden but Knights. not definitive no it's not definitive because I, I i think that vegas is just kind of one of those teams that goes about their business and and the most important thing is two points on it on a night-to-night basis right like vegas doesn't run around they don't do things within a game that are, are going to lead to to a lot of animosity one way or another and they've been so so good for so long, I, I think that it's more about proving to the world that they are contenders again than it is to to have a rivalry where they're going to pull out all the stops to find a way to, to hurt the other team. I'll give you one team. Okay. I'm curious. Buffalo. Is Buffalo uh, the Golden Knights' biggest rivalry right now? I I feel like... I feel like it could be, but one, you only play them twice a year, right? So and the two, other, some of these other teams, you're only playing three. Well, yeah, sure, but then you've you've got you've got the big moment for Buffalo last year against Jack Eichel, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got the big moment this year for Jack Eichel against Buffalo. To me, it's kind of done. Like it's kind of done. It's not done for Buffalo fans. It's ah. not done for Jack. It may be not done for Jack, but I think that that's more a personal thing than it is a team-wide thing. I think the Golden Knights went to Buffalo, and they wanted that game more than anything else. I don't feel like the Buffalo Sabres wanted that game as much as they did the year prior. I think it's the closest thing to a rivalry that we have right now. It's possible. It's not full-blown. Seattle was supposed to be it. It hasn't developed just yet. Well, blame the San Jose Sharks and Evander Kane for a parting of the ways uh, <laughs> for, for watering down that one. Mm-hmm. L.A. hasn't been competitive enough to fulfill I think it's coming. M- multiple playoff appearances yeah. against each other. And Arizona is Arizona. Uh, there's nobody else. St. Louis mm-hmm. had the opportunity. Like, it was on the verge for a while. And... From a league perspective, everybody wanted to take down the Golden Knights. Sure. Like, the yeah. Golden Knights were the villain for, uh, un- until the middle of last season uh, when all of a sudden Vegas became human. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as far as the current, right now, as we sit going into Game 17, the biggest rivalry that I can see between another team is with Buffalo. 
whether it's on uh, the East Coast or uh, or the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, it it that may change tonight with a bad hit mm-hmm. or a goofy play. Uh, and nobody's hoping for something like that. But uh, if it's a feisty game tonight, maybe that'll reignite it. But uh, at this point, San Jose's waned. Yeah, I I think that there's always the opportunity, especially with the history between these two hockey clubs, of of you know Vegas San Jose picking right back up again. Um, but you know I, I I I get what you're saying with Buffalo. I don't feel it to me. Like I, I kind of view Buffalo the same way that you view my thoughts on Colorado. Like there's there's maybe something there, but I, I don't think it's going to to blossom into the type of rivalry rivalry that's going to kind of consume both hockey clubs. I think for the Buffalo Sabers, they've got to find a way to move on past their time with Jack Eichel because the only way that organization is going to grow is to just move forward and not live in the past now their fan base there's no fun in that their fan base might feel differently but if you continue to egg on jack eichel uh you might be eating hat tricks every single time he goes back to buffalo 19 one and four <laughs> 19 wins yeah one regulation loss and four others yeah that's the golden knights head-to-head record with the san jose sharks it's crazy one-sided yeah I don't even know how it got to this stage, to be perfectly honest, because it shouldn't be that way in a parody-filled National Hockey League. I'm not apologizing for it, <laughs> but it it just belies all expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 8-0 in one season sure helps. Right. But, I mean... But even go- that, like yeah. the odds of that... It's it's surprising. It really is. I... I Outside of the Golden Knights have generally owned the Pacific Division. They have been so good against teams within this division. And that's Uh, continued this year. It has continued this year. But to me, I think that you had a San Jose Sharks team early on that doubled down on a roster that was getting older, and that just snowballed on them. And for the Golden Knights, they continued to grow and continued to grow. And you were catching San Jose at the tail end of their window as the Golden Knights were entering their window. And that's really what it is. These two teams, there was a little bit of crossover early on the first two years where they were both good at the same time. But you could see that window and father time catching up with San Jose real quick. It closed fast. Yeah, it did. It slammed shut. Oh, 100%. And, And you know, for the Golden Knights, good for them. They took advantage of it. They, they didn't lose to a team that they were better than. And, and that's what it's been for the last three and a half years. The Golden Knights against San Jose have really taken care of business. So do you think tonight's a trap game then without any presence of a rivalry or bad blood? I, I don't think it should be coming off a loss, right? Like I think for the Golden Knights, you have a couple of days to kind of re, re-acclimatize to uh, the body clock and, and get kind of your routine dialed in now at home and you're coming off of a loss, I would imagine that this is a game where the Golden Knights are going to go into it saying we, we've got to get back to the details that we had uh, before the road trip where we were defending really well and we weren't, we weren't giving up a ton. I don't view this as a trap game. It shouldn't be. It, it shouldn't be because of the loss factor, but because of the clear domination that, that takes us into a whole new vortex uh, of whether or not it's a trap game because of 19-1-4. Mm-hmm. That changes uh, everything and how you should look at it. 
uh, whether Vegas is coming off a loss or not. And, and they pushed hard in that third period. Uh, should have actually tied it against St. Uh, Louis on Saturday. And uh, there's some feeling. It's almost one of those ones where it works against you because you had that chance to win mm-hmm. and you can kind of sell yourself. Uh, I, I know for a fact that uh, the Bruce and the coaching staff have done some work uh, on tidying up some details uh, within uh, the group and uh, and the approach that they take, and they do expect to be uh, a lot t- tighter uh, defending uh, with the uh, with this game against the San Jose Sharks, but uh, it still it still has a bit of uh, aroma uh, about a potential trap game. Is that... Is that where you're at? Yeah, the potential of it? Yeah. yeah. Un- unless unless there's some holdover vibes that still get people fired up, whether the principals on the other side are there or, or gone, that just the sight of that jersey gets them going. <laughs> uh, re- remember, the one time that they played this year yeah. was a Golden Knights win. Phil yep. Kessel setting the Ironman streak. Yep. But San Jose let go in the third period of that game. Oh, I, it was it was one of those situations where the Golden Knights had a great first period, right, as they've been, been known to do over the course of this season. San Jose was able to turn the tide in the second period, and then Vegas came out with the intention of winning the game in the third, and they did. Um, I, I think that if the Golden Knights get to their game, and I think a lot of emphasis is now placed on that uh, from Bruce Cassidy talking about needing to get to, needing to arrive to their A game faster than their opponent, if they're able to do that and sustain it over 60 minutes, it's not a trap game. They'll, they'll find a way to win. Well, trap games can pop up at the most unlikely time. Uh, in the middle of a game mm-hmm. or at the start of a game with a slow start or uh, some kind of uh, stumble at the end. What what I'm looking for from Vegas tonight is just to, to come out and throw San Jose aside for uh, a minute and just play a dominant game, the kind of game that we saw against Anaheim mm-hmm. and Winnipeg yeah. before the road trip started which were, one was a completely controlled game, the most controlled hockey game I've ever seen in the National Hockey League against the Anaheim Ducks. Mm-hmm. They didn't get a sniff. Yeah. The shot clock showed Anaheim had more opportunities than Vegas did, but uh, that, uh, that was totally misguided. And then the next night, uh, the next game, you had them dominate Winnipeg from a shot clock perspective and territorially uh, from zone time. And if you can get back to one of those types of games tonight, uh, you you take trap game, you take uh, rivalry, you take all the uh, so-called uh, statements that a coach will use uh, in, in, in trying to make sure that his team's ready or to throw a spark on them. It, it, it absolves all of that and just makes it a good, solid performance. Yeah, and I think that, that the, the point is that so far this season, after a loss, the Golden Knights have been really good about tidying things up. The reasons that they found themselves on the losing side uh, are typically the things that they focus most on going into that next game. I, I think that you know, for a Golden Knights team that that is is in unfamiliar territory, it's only happened three times through sixteen where they found themselves having to uh, find a way back to the win column. I, I would expect that the details of the game are going to be there. I think that this is going to be one of those games where the Golden Knights do not give up very much. So you're going to need your goaltenders to make the saves that they're supposed to make. And as long as you can limit the offensive chances of the San Jose Sharks, I think that San Jose will make enough mistakes that the Golden Knights will be able to score enough goals. Vegas has been in this situation twice 
before. Mm-hmm. The first time, lost to Calgary 3-2, and that was, uh, that was uh, a game that Calgary deserved to win. Mm-hmm. And the score flattered Vegas. Yeah. Vegas comes back the next game and blows the doors off the Winnipeg Jets with yeah. a four-goal first period. Yeah. That one was done early. Colorado beats Vegas here at T-Mobile, 3-2, another one-goal loss. The next game is a back-to-back between uh, Toronto and then San Jose, and the Golden Knights win both of them, but very differently. The, the, the Toronto game was a really good hockey game, mm-hmm. and uh, Ilya Samsonov helped Toronto stay in it, but it was a, it was a statement. It didn't have the high-scoring first period that, uh, that Vegas hung on Winnipeg, but it was arguably just as strong of a performance. Yeah, and I mean, you, you look at the Colorado game, and the, the game-winning goal from Val Nachuskin is an all-world play through the neutral zone, and against Toronto, the Golden Knights shut that down. And again, that's my point. Like When there have been losses, there has been progression in the Golden Knights game. Vegas gave up a lot in that second period to, to St. Louis. They were really good, especially in the second, at creating dangerous scoring chances, even though Aiden Hill had the miscommunication with Nick Haig. I thought Aiden played phenomenally well in the second period. It could have been a lot different. It could have been a very different score going into the third. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think that if Bruce Cassidy's looking at, at that game against St. Louis, what do we need to work on? It's certainly taking away the chances that the opposition's going to get. And I think that's why the, the attention to detail defensively is where the Golden Knights' main focus is going to be tonight. That was a quirky game the other night from a goaltending perspective <laughs> because both net miners had pucks uh, yeah. go in that yeah. they would like to be able to come up with saves on. Sure. And then they were both really good at different stretches of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a hard one to get your head around yeah. as far as was it a great game because you, you kept your team close and kept them in it? Or was it uh, a suspect game because you allowed the other team to get momentum on it? And w- one guy won, one guy lost, and it was different uh, of a goal. Mm-hmm. But I think they both uh, can, can evaluate it. You, you could tell me on, on either side of it. Yeah, it was just it was a wonky game in that you you got some really big saves right yeah. on both sides. Jordan that Binnington. second period by Aiden Hill yeah. was outstanding. It was outstanding, and and unfortunately, the the lasting image, the lasting play that everyone's going to point to is the miscommunication with Nick Hague. And then, never mind the fact that after that happened. Before Ryan O'Reilly scored, Aiden Hill made a big kick save to, to, to kind of stem the tide. And unfortunately, it didn't work out that the Golden Knights were able to get out of the period tied at two. But, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, you, you kind of come out of that game saying, well, okay, I wish that there wasn't that miscommunication. But if Aiden Hill wasn't as sharp as he was, you, you'd be looking at a two or three goal deficit you know, going into the The third. miscommunication thing, I almost give a pass on. Sure, yeah. Because he's only playing once a week. Yeah. And it's hard to get in any type of rhythm with your your defenders, uh, your teammates uh, on that type of play. It it doesn't excuse it. Yeah. But I can understand it a whole lot more than if you're playing uh, every night. And and we haven't seen that uh, so far from from Logan Thompson. We've only seen it once from from Aiden Hill. But mm-hmm. uh, Aiden Hill is a guy that likes to go out and play the puck and and have those touches during the course of games. And uh, it, it again. It, it, you're not going to say it wasn't the reason uh, that the St. Louis was able to grab control of that hockey game. Mm-hmm. It, it was, but there's also an explanation to it if you 
uh, are open-minded to it. You know, I wanted to ask you, because I got a phone call after that game on the extended post-game show about risk-reward in goaltenders playing the puck. Where are you on that? Like, do you think goalies should just stay in there? No, no. Gosh, no. Okay. No, it's such a an advantage to have somebody go out and uh, and be able to handle that puck and and Aiden does like it. Mm-hmm. He does enjoy he it. He tried for a goalie goal earlier. Yeah, and uh, and he changes. <laughs> he said he changed his mind at the last second and and went to the left. Uh, uh, I think he had to go to the left or else it was going to bank in um, uh, uh, off a player and and into the net. Uh, mm-hmm. But but he does he does enjoy that and I think he uses some of that to keep himself involved in in the game and that that's a big advantage to to a goaltender uh, if they're able to have that skill set to get them through the lulls of a game which Aiden Hill has had to deal with on on a couple of occasions but uh, but the, that wasn't uh Aiden Hill being too aggressive on that particular yeah. play against the St. Louis Blues that was he thought uh, Nick Hague was going to loop in behind the net and, and grabbed that puck, and Nick Hag peeled off, uh, thinking that there was going to be a pass coming towards him. Uh, that's uh, that's just a a flat out, as simply as you can put it, uh, a miscommunication of a yeah. guy thinking that uh, his teammate was going to do the other thing. I'm, and in, both guys are at fault in yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely at fault. Uh, on on like it's fifty fifty. I'm not, I'm not blaming uh, the defender or or the goaltender on that. But uh, boy, if you can if you can get some touches from a goaltender back there. It makes uh, the the role of the defenseman and the ability of the defenseman way easier. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the the benefits for a goaltender that's confident in playing the puck, doesn't try to do too much, and and is in sync with his defenders, it far outweighs any negative. And and you know, goalies coming out of their crease to play the puck happens so much more often than I think a lot of people expect or think of over the course of a game. You only magnify it when it's a mistake that leads to a goal, but that, that happens so infrequently. Well, that, that was so strange one because it was at the side of the net mm-hmm. uh, above the goal line. So most times that a goaltender is going to have a touch, it's going to be behind the net sure. on a rim, and they have to either stop it and leave it or stop it and play it. Mm. Uh, some coaches won't allow their goaltenders to play it. Mm-hmm. They want that puck left for the defenseman. Yeah. And the defenseman go back there and, and pick it up. Uh, other teams, I know for a fact, where there's not a defenseman going to go behind the net. They, neither one of them. They're going to peel off to the corners or up the boards, and it's up to the goaltender to be able to find them and make a play and, and hit them. Uh, that's generally where you'll see the goaltender make the mistake when they have to move that puck. Uh, the other night, it was just a simple handoff, and it was it was strange. It kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and and uh, if you're not, it also shows if you're not like totally dialed in every second, uh, it, it can get away from you. But uh, uh, that was uh, that was more fluky, goofy. Uh, it had an impact. Uh, I think uh, not playing every day has uh, has a tail, uh, an influence on on that play as well. But I don't think. Uh, Let's just say I think everybody, Logan, Aiden, and the defenseman mm-hmm. will all have had, John Stevens will have had a conversation about what happened there. How are you at playing the puck? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and you know what? I kind I like it. Yeah. I like doing it, but I'm so bad at it that uh, that even when I when I would skate with the guys last year during during morning skates or practices, we mm-hmm. would do this drill where uh, the coaches would dump it in and I would stop behind the net and have to move it. <laughs> and... And 
they they were the the players were awesome with me. Like yeah. Shea Theodore was always encouraging, or uh, Petrangelo Martinez uh, were always so encouraging uh, when I would actually make a pass and and it was on their stick. But halfway through the year, they just stopped me <laughs> playing the puck behind the net and just did a simple breakout. They stopped and the I, drill, and I was fine with that. Yeah, because. Going out there playing the puck, it got me, made me so nervous. Even in practice, even in a morning skate situation, it got. I didn't mind the shots. I love the shots and the opportunities to to face guys coming down the the ice. Mm. But I got way more nervous and wrapped up and anxiety filled having to go out there and stop the puck uh, behind the net and move it. So I was really happy when they when when Mike Rosati came up to me and said, "We're not going to do the behind the net. Uh, don't worry about the rims. Uh, they'll handle." I was like, giddy up. All right, there. Thank it is. goodness. Glad to know that. Oh, I'm so, I just hope it's the same way this year. If <laughs> if I ever get out there uh, again, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, a little bit of news happening around the National Hockey League. One involves a team trying to break through and win that tenth straight game, and there was a cute response to a question from Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils. We'll get to that as we roll on live from T-Mobile Arena in Section 104 on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Above the ice at T-Mobile Arena, it's the VGK Insider Show getting ready for the second meeting of the season between the Vegas Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks are in a rebuild. We know that, but they are getting a renaissance performance out of one of their top players, and that is Eric Carlson. Here is uh, Bruce Cassidy talking about Eric Carlson, who is right now leading their team in points as a blue liner. Well, health matters, obviously, for any. I think maybe moving Burns has allowed him to play in more of those garden spots. Like they, I know there's some talk that they were they. I don't. I can't say for certain that they functioned well on the same power play, but I remember reading that, you know, they both like, you know, they both shoot right and they both like to shoot and they both like to have the puck. So, I think just the fact that he's the guy now and he's out there for the majority of the power play. There's one area he gets a little extra minutes, and so some of that has to do it. And that's no disrespect to, to Brent Burns at all. He's doing very well in Carolina. It's just I, I, the shared responsibility maybe wasn't working as well as as probably they had hoped in San Jose. Uh, it happens sometimes, and then, like you said, I think health matters. Um, you know, and then you know maybe a change of the coaching staff. I don't know if that's freed him up to play a little differently, but you probably put all those things in there, and there you go. You know, one of the strange parts about the line of uh, Eric Carlson is it, the ten goals and twelve helpers mm-hmm. uh, for twenty-two points is impressive, but he only has one of those goals on the power play. Yeah, so not even dining out on the man advantage so far and he's been able to make some some all-world plays now i i watch them he's also been involved in a couple of uh colossal blunders Mm -hmm. uh on the defensive side where their teams uh, managed to get themselves into a pickle and not been able to get out of it but it's uh it's as an athlete and he was so great in ottawa it's cool to see him back near the top of his game yeah listen i don't watch eric carlson for defensive prowess Uh, i watch eric carlson because of the things he can do in the offensive zone as a blue liner i I think it's it's great 
for the NHL and, and specifically for the San Jose Sharks that Eric Carlson is seemingly healthy and that with that health has come uh, this type of renaissance performance where he's better than a point a game and doing it all from the blue line. Now, I, I think at some point, right, you need a little bit more from him defensively, but right now with, with 10 goals in 17 games, 22 points so far on the year, you'll, you'll take whatever positives you can out of the way Eric Carlson's playing. Yeah, d- defensively, it's a roll of the dice, to be quite <laughs> honest. Yeah. And uh, yeah. a couple of the uh, the stumbles that I've witnessed this year was one where he, he just caught an edge and allowed a clear-cut breakaway. Well, that's not going to happen a lot with Eric Carlson, a man of uh, his talent uh, with the with the feet and the skating and the, the smoothness. Uh, another one was against uh, the Golden Knights, where he just got uh, obliterated in a one-on-one situation and wasn't able to, to catch up. They're better with him in the lineup playing mm-hmm. the way he is right now. Uh, even with the, any defensive liabilities. And it's brought up this question of during the course of a rebuild, and they moved Burns, uh, they've been very public about uh, looking at other contracts that could be uh, scattered around the National Hockey League. Eric Carlson's name came up to general manager Mike Greer, and he said, we're, we'll, we're going to listen. Mm-hmm. That's about the only thing that you can do, unless a team makes massive changes. Because this is a guy with an 11-plus cap hit yeah. with five years left mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a full mo- no move, so he's got to, to buy into everything. But the just the, the cap hit and the years left, I don't know anybody that can do that this year. Maybe if the cap goes up $5 million next year yeah. and you've got a couple of guys coming off the books – you might be able to squeeze that in. But as far as a mid-season acquisition of a number like that, I don't know how it happens. Yeah, it's it's kind of an unfortunate situation right now for the San Jose Sharks that you didn't get a big spike in the salary cap this year because mm-hmm. if you had that, maybe there are teams that feel adding Eric Carlson can really boost their odds. Uh, but when you talk about contending teams, and, and I, I think that that's kind of what you're looking for, a, a difference maker on defense like Eric Carlson, um, it you have to make it worthwhile for the player. And if you're not going to a contender, I see no reason why, uh, if you're happy in San Jose, why you'd, why well, you'd wave your no-move clause. If the cap would have went up this year, yeah. this past summer, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered because nobody was acquiring mm-hmm. him. Not not a chance anybody was acquiring him, uh, with, even with the, with the extra room, if they could afford him yeah. because yeah. his play had fallen off so much. But seeing him now sure. at this level... I can see mm-hmm. somebody kicking the tires next year when the cap goes up on July first. That that I could I could see happening mid season though. I don't know how you can move the pieces around to fit in eleven plus player. But I, I say un- unlucky because you don't know how long this type of performance from Eric Carlson is going to going to be a, a thing, right? Like you might get a phenomenal season out of him right now, and if you can move him in the off season, great. If someone wants to take a chance on that, great. But if Eric Carlson say when the salary cap does go up if that's next year if he starts off slow then all of a sudden you might have missed your window uh, of, of being able to move him somewhere oh, else. he doesn't get to to next summer if he's somebody's looking at him yeah they're getting him in the in the summer uh mm-hmm. before next year the the slow start next year won't affect that it's whether or not he can continue uh, at at any 
pace like he is right now. So for, and, and he might be able to. He, yeah. He's actually right around his Norris Trophy winning seasons mm-hmm. with his production that he's putting up right now. So we're talking about four million or four seasons, eleven and a half million. Yeah, and and, and real dollars. Like sure. Yeah, I, I looked at his uh, his salary uh, going forward. Uh, this year, by the way, he got a $10 million bonus yeah. <laughs> on, on July 1st, and it's uh, capped off with a $2 million salary. So he's he's 12. Uh, next year, it's 11 and a half mm-hmm. of salary, money that uh, that goes out to him. Uh, and then it drops to 11. What a bargain that is. Uh, <laughs> it, it gets down to seven in the second last deal, or sorry, nine in the second last year of the yeah. deal. And the lowest uh, money out on the contract, like real cash, yep. the cap hits over 11, but real cash is 7.5. You're not getting anything like the Shea Weber contract. Yeah. Like that, that's a million dollars in real cash. Yep. The cap hit hurts you, but what, what Vegas is actually paying Shea Weber right now mm-hmm. is peanuts in the National Hockey League, peanuts compared to that cap hit. Eric Carlson's contract? Never gets to that stage. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, listen, I think if he continues to be amazing this year and if there's a team, depending on how much the salary cap goes up, if, if there's a fit and it's a better situation from a win-now standpoint for Eric Carlson, then it happens. But outside of that, I, I don't know that, that this is a contract that's going to be easily moved, even with the salary cap moving up, because then you've got to double down on the fact that you think that this is what Eric Carlson can be for a couple of years, and yeah. I, don't, I don't believe that. Well, I if, don't he's believe healthy, if he's healthy, can he keep doing this? I, yeah. I, don't know. I, I, don't, I would love to see it. The verdict's out for me. When it comes to like, I need to see this from him for for eighty two, and then I want to see it for another eighty two. I just I think there's too much risk involved in eleven and a half million dollars for four more years, where the cash does not really go down to an appreciable level. To think that this season that he's had through seventeen games is going to be replicable to the point where it actually helps you win hockey games. Then you got to get to him and say, yeah. "Will you accept the trade?" <laughs> the player controls this. Yeah. Full no move, and I don't think he's going like he's he's a funny guy in yeah. a sense of he likes living, mm-hmm. he likes uh, his environment, mm-hmm. uh, he's very everything that I've I've talked to him about this, uh, but everything that I see, he's very comfortable in in California and and the setup uh, with the San Jose Sharks, and he's raising a young family. I, I don't, if I was going to guess, I'd say there's no way he leaves that. Yeah. The, as, as comfortable as he as he is, and and he's a guy that uh, that I, I do like being around. He's fun, uh, he's entertaining, but he he likes things to be good, and I don't think he's, I don't think he's he likes his life. I don't, I don't know how much winning and being a contender would would mean compared to uprooting his family mm-hmm. from the the great setup that he has. Yeah, I I get the same sense when it comes to Eric Carlson. I, I think that it would have to be a scenario that really blows him out of the water um, and, and gets, gets some, some of the intangibles, some of the things that, that he values outside the game of hockey uh, close. And, and then there's got to be kind of a, a scenario where you're going to win because, if again, if you're going to a team that, that is on equal footing, let's say, or maybe slightly better than San Jose, but it's not a clear does clearly define path to competing. I don't know why you move from where you're at. I, I just don't see it. 
I don't know whether you can continue this, but it's fun to watch. I love it. It's, it's great. The, the riverboat gambler in him <laughs> is because he can create a chance uh, for his team at the snap of a finger, mm-hmm. and he can also set up uh, a challenging situation for his own goaltender <laughs> in the blink of an eye. And and he's he's got that. Oh, okay. I'll go out and get him again next uh, shift. <laughs> like uh, it just rolls off his his his, his back. Uh, like Vegas was in the mix for him mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I still can't believe he didn't end up in Tampa Bay. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, uh, I I don't know whether the eleven plus is worth everything that comes with him. Mm-hmm. I love watching him, but if I was the coach or the manager. I don't know whether I could withstand the frustration or the um, lack of uh, definitive play on a, on a shift-to-shift basis of, of what you're going to get. There's too much outlaw. Yeah. Really? Which I mean, is what makes it fun for me. <laughs> which, which as, as someone that's not invested in mm-hmm. the San Jose Sharks, I love it. I love it. And it, kind of the same thing with Brent Burns to, to a degree, right? Like, you can have both of those guys on the ice making elite, elite plays offensively, and all of a sudden it's going the other way for a, want, for a breakaway or a two-on-one, and your goaltender is looking at you like, what are you doing? But then they've got the, the ability to come back the next shift and do something, again, dynamic in the offensive zone. It's so fun to watch. I love it, um, but I, I couldn't imagine being like a tried-and-true fan because you don't have – a reasonably expected outcome every single time he's on the ice. His, plus, all mi- over the his place. plus minus is really good this year compared to the last couple of years. He's a plus one. I know. And look what he was <laughs> the last couple of years. Darren. He Darren, was he was a got, cold day in I, Manitoba I, the last couple I, of years. I understand what you're saying, but you've got 22 points on the year. Let's not talk about one. It is a it is an improvement. It is mm. not good. No, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's not it's good. Re- relative. It's good. And remember... He's only scored one of his goals on the power play. Yeah, yeah. Which means he's that accentuates the idea that he's been on for a few goals against. More than a few. Uh, it's uh, it's a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, Bruce is right, though. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, who talked uh, early in this segment about the evolution of Eric Carlson this year mm-hmm. and why that's so. Uh, mm-hmm. Without Brent Burns around, I think there's just more freedom to to do his thing. You're not there's not that uh, inner lineup competition he's he's probably is getting a, a few more of those uh nice minutes mm-hmm. uh perfectly suited minutes uh to to be able to take advantage of it still just a plus one i know he's, he's <laughs> plus one but what what was he last year uh let me look 14 let me look you got to give me a second i i think he was 14 last year Dash on, the, 14? on the minus side and maybe 15 or 16 on the uh, the minus side the year before. Okay. So, so so being on the plus, even by the slimmest of uh, <laughs> margins, is still pretty good. Yeah, he was uh, he was a dash fourteen last yeah. year, dash eighteen the year before, dash fifteen the year prior to that. Um, so yeah, so you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. A a plus one is shockingly good. That's a difference of fifteen, Ryan. That's yes, but we're still good. we're still talking about this renaissance for Eric Carlson, and yes, it is a renaissance offensively. But goodness gracious, I, I don't think he wins the Norris Trophy. Probably if he doesn't not. make the playoffs. No, I, I don't. And think, they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think he wins the Norris. Period. Well, I don't. He'll be in the conversation. 
<laughs> because there's enough people that like watching him play. And, and he's a likable guy. Career, He'll be in the conversation. Career minus 76. Yeah. Except I don't think you can, on, as a person of principle, and I am steeply, mm-hmm. steeply based on principle. Yeah, we see uh, that. You can't give a defenseman the Norris Trophy on a non-playoff team. My yeah, viewpoint. I, I don't have anything wrong with that. Sergei Bobrovsky won the Vesna one year without being on a playoff team. I still haven't figured that one out. Uh, we've got to take a break. When we continue, we'll set up hour number two. A lot more of Bruce Cassidy. And we'll get into the weeds of this Vegas School of the Knights lineup that's going to take on the San Jose Sharks, trying to bounce back and start another winning streak. It's laid out for them to do that. The VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Bring up to date and some other scores in the National Hockey League in just a little bit. New Jersey Devils going for a 10th straight win. Mm-hmm. Didn't see that coming. Wagon. Trying to beat the Montreal Canadiens. Toronto Maple Leafs also in action tonight. John Tavares with a little bit of history in that one. The Vegas Golden Knights hooking up with the San Jose Sharks. Vegas has not lost two games in a row all year. Wint Knight will keep that run going. Mm-hmm. That's an important stat for coaches. Yeah. Just not letting those things tend to snowball on you, right? Yeah. Like, in game or yeah. game to game. Yeah. Be able to go out there. And... There's also the Logan Thompson factor. Mm-hmm. Expecting him to start tonight. He's won six in a row. Yeah, not like, bad. He's got that run going due to the fact that uh, Aiden Hill took the loss against the St. Louis Blues. He's starting to inch into some nice little territory with the Vegas Golden Knights history books. Yeah, I mean, Logan's been, as as you know, both goaltenders have, really good early on this season for the Vegas Golden Knights. I think that... You know, if you had the question marks going into the season surrounding goaltending, uh, what you're getting right now out of the Golden Knights goaltenders, Logan Thompson specifically, is if he can see it, he's going to stop it. And, and if the Golden Knights are lights out in front of him, uh, you make his life a little bit easier. He's going to come up with the saves that he's supposed to make and maybe a couple extra ones that he's not supposed to make. You ever see back-to-back nine-game winning streaks? No. It could happen. It could happen. I'll tell you why in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show as we continue live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas.